Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Armor Report Week in Review. I'm Brett Rosenthal. We're going to stop talk about stock market, and the big questions are, number one, last week the beginning of a new bull market cycle or just a bear market rally? Number two, how are we attacking the market on the Armor uh, trading desk? And, of course, uh, we're going to go over the Armor investing way, so the three stages of how we run money and, and what that means for our actions last week, what we'll be doing next week. I also want to pose a question about cryptocurrencies. Now, you all who follow me know I've been a bear on crypto for quite some time. Uh, even last week, I made a, um, a call for $10,000 Bitcoin, 10000 sub-10,000, okay? And I want to challenge my own call with a thought, something that occurred last week, and I want to get your response, okay? So I want to see you guys make comments whether you're watching live, I want to know what you're thinking. If you're watching this afterwards, comments down here. I really want us to you know, be our own um, study group, so to speak, and see where we all come down on this topic that I'm going to discuss um, during today's uh, call. So we'll get to that in a minute. Let's uh, run over some of the basics. Don't forget, guys, um, you can always subscribe right here to this channel. Armor Report on YouTube. Also, the Armor Report website. Go take a look, see if it's something that works for you. Um, best to share these videos with people who you think can use the help. This is not about running out there you know, and trying to you know, blow up the YouTube channel and get millions of views. What we want to do here is build, this is what we are doing, and I invite you to join us. We're building a virtual hedge fund, and you're the portfolio manager. So what do I mean by that? I used to run hedge funds. Okay, hedge funds are notoriously able to outperform the market. Some of them, not all of them, right? Not all of them, but there are some. And what do they do to outperform dramatically? Okay, they do three things. And we're going to look at those three things right now. Of course, fundamental research, they're always pulling out information from doing research that others don't have, and they make money on that. Okay, we work on building our own information flow at the Armour Report, and we share it with all of our portfolio managers. That's you. And we use algorithms, right? These are institutional-grade algorithms. They take years to develop, a lot of capital to develop. It's hard for an individual to do that, if not impossible. So what we do is share the Armour algos we've created over the last decade or so and share the information that comes off of them when to commit capital and when to protect it. And of course, the last thing, and perhaps you know, my favorite and the most important, is risk management. If you ask the best investors over time, and there are, you can do research on this, they're all going to tell you that what set them apart was their ability to protect capital, capture upside second. And so we teach those rules of how to protect capital, how to hedge. And that's led to a year where NASDAQ's down 27% for the year, and that's after 
a 7%, 7.5% run last week, right? So NASDAQ is up 7.5% last week. It's still down 27% for the year, right? S&P is down 25% for the year, right? All kinds of carnage. Now, last week, there was a rally. But through all that carnage, the armor reports protecting capital. So we have huge alpha. And then the question is throughout the year, when do you commit capital to work to capture that alpha and turn the alpha into capital gains? That's what we're going to talk about right now. Don't forget, this is how I run my own personal capital. I share with you my journey. Your job as a portfolio manager is to take the information and apply it to your approach. What I like to kind of say from a, from, or show you from a visual standpoint is here's the trading floor. It's a virtual trading floor, okay? You guys are all down here, portfolio managers, sharing a desk, shouting out information, sharing information and debating, okay? That's what we're going to be doing. We do it every day on our live desk, and I'd love for you guys to join me if you want to. Um, and we do it here to, a, to a, a different degree because the market's not open. We're doing it live as it's trading. But to a different degree, we do it here every Saturday, sharing the information, getting ready for next week. So let's dive in. We're going to talk first about the stock market. I like to always order our thinking when it comes to the big picture of the indexes. The risk monitor has changed. Okay? So portfolio changes. Let's start with this. Risk, get a pen, get a piece of paper, write these things down so you're ready for Monday. All right? Risk monitors changed to yellow. Um, Let's go over what yellow means and why it won't go green. Now, you know, I follow um, the, the Investor's Business Daily or the William O'Neill style of investing. It's, it's really the, the core of how I started in the business over 35 years ago. And, um, and I've taken what I feel are the best attributes of that and enhanced them over time. I say that in all humility, okay? Um, so... I always look at the Investor's Business Daily. I'm a subscriber to um, MarketSmith. That's not a, um, um, an advertisement. They don't pay me. They don't even know. <laughs> I'm just a subscriber of, among thousands, right? But I'm just telling you, I like MarketSmith. It works for me. Um, anyway, so if you follow for free on the, in IBD, you can see that their risk monitor, okay, goes from red to green to yellow, just like ours, um, but for different reasons it's a lot easier for the IBD to go green. And that's what happened this weekend. The IBD goes green. I'm not going to go over their rules, but basically there was enough volume on the rally on Friday to flip it green. Now that's it's a little silly because the, the, the volume hit in the last five minutes of the day because of a Russell rebalance. So, they're probably, they probably wish they could tweak their rules a little bit, but they're very regimented and they're going to go green. And they also know that um, 80% of the time the market's going up. Okay. So calling for bear markets, calling for destruction. Um, while it may be fun to be on, 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 uh, I don't know why the human condition likes to be on the other side of that and try to be smart and call collapses. But the smart play, if you're going to get on the right side of probabilities and statistics over and over again, is to look for every entry point to get long because the market generally goes up. That's just a fact, right? So there are times to be in cash. We've been in relatively huge cash positions since December of 2021. 
Okay, let's break it down for you. There's three strategies we follow. Conservative, balanced, aggressive, to make it easy for all of us to understand. The conservative portfolio follows the risk monitor. Armor Insiders, go to the website, click on Risk Monitor, you can see what's happening, okay? So what you would see by the end of the day Sunday, because I haven't updated it yet, is that the risk monitor has gone yellow. So let's take a look at what that means. We have seven indexes we follow when the four big ones, the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the small cap all give the algorithmic entry point, there's enough confluence for a risk on buy signal. And so you're going to see it here right now. It's happening as we're talking. And I'm going to color this yellow. Okay. Boom. And the color is now, whoops, I need a fill color, is yellow. All right. So the risk monitor just went yellow right there. So I color coded for you so you can see what is happening. Right. So right back here, so it was green. It rallied up, a couple of yellows, turned red. Sold off, rallied, green to yellow, to yellow to green, okay, sold off, turned green all at once and collapsed, red, right, red, white, right away. You can see the reds in here, okay? And now we're back to, to yellow. A quick look at um, the NASDAQ. I'm not going to color them all, but it, you can see the NASDAQ just turned yellow. For the sake of speed of this conversation, I'm not going to be coloring everything, okay? The Dow just turned yellow. Uh, and and so did the IBD. Um, excuse me. So did um, so did the um, small caps. Okay. Now we also follow the IBD 50, which is not even close to a, rec uh, a risk on entry point. Okay. The momentum index, which is a weaker form and and not quite um, what you're looking for, but still a yellow signal. All right. And the value index, which has just been destroyed. And it's coming on also. All right. So going back to the S&P, bottom line it, then let's move on to the next topic. Bottom line, at the Armour Report, we use confluence as king for decision-making purposes. So we look at the seven indexes. We have algorithms calibrated, optimized for each index. These are swing trading algorithms to help us find entry points to make investments. Then it's our job to figure out how long the investments last, with the help of the algos. So the algos will show us exit points on the way up. We'll use traditional technical analysis to figure out exit points on the way up. But for right now, when all four of the big indexes give us the risk on entry point at the same time, so individual algos calibrated for each index, all telling us the same thing, that confluence tells us institutional money is getting put to work. So risk monitor goes yellow. Now, why will it not go green? Because generally when six of seven of the index algos go green on their own, the risk monitor goes green. Right now, even though that's happened, I'm only going yellow. And the reason for that is when I look back at other bear markets, there will be these surges that occur where the risk monitor will turn green, right? Only to roll over and implode like the last risk monitor green signal, right? Right in here. Okay? So at the initial breakdown and the first risk on green signal, we'll get green and we'll put money to work. If it fails miserably like it did here, the subsequent signals, they're only going to go yellow. 
until such time as a base forms. Higher low, higher high, bottoming wedge, some traditional technical analysis approach that shows us that the buyers and sellers have found a common ground and a consolidation is happening. Then you break out of that consolidation on a next risk monitor, that's when you go green. So it slows down the process for us. Yellow means we can put money to work. I'm going to get to it right now, what we did last week and what we're going to do next week. But just to understand this, when it goes yellow, put money to work. That's what we're saying. That's what we're doing in a conservative portfolio. Somebody asked me the other day, well, I have a 401k and I can only select cash or the S&P or, you know, a couple other choices. And it takes two or three days to get out of something and into something else. All right. I don't give investment advice. I'm going to say it. I don't give investment advice. I tell you what I do personally. And then I try to show you conservative, balanced, aggressive. And you make your own decisions. I can't make that more clear. You're the portfolio manager of your own assets. That's why you're watching this show. You're going to go out there and share this video with friends who are willing to take the responsibility to run their own capital. And I respect them for that, and I respect you for that. It's not easy. It's emotionally draining. It's very rewarding when you're done. No one's ever done in this game, but you know what I'm saying. It's very rewarding when you can grow your assets on your own, okay? So I'll break it down this way. I manage capital for myself and for others. And so I say these accounts here are conservative accounts. The risk monitor yellow in the midst of a bear market, I'm not doing anything. I'm not putting capital to work. Holding cash. In a balanced portfolio, I'm putting some cash to work. 25%, 30%. So I'm involved. I see an opening. There's a possibility for a move higher. And we never know if this is the start of a ripping rally. I don't know. They usually start when no one thinks it's possible. And I'll tell you right now, there's nobody out there that thinks it's possible. Everyone telling you about QT and all this other stuff, but we all know that already, right? So we never know when the rip is going to start and turn into something real. So I'll put some money to work in a balanced portfolio. And in my aggressive portfolio, I got two-thirds of my capital to work in the indexes right now. It's a pretty aggressive move. I'm hedging it, and I'll get to that in a minute. Okay? I hedge, I hedge, event, I hedge event risk. I don't hedge normal volatility. So I'll explain that in a minute. Anyway, so bottom line of this little segment right here, risk monitors change to yellow. It means we're putting some capital to work, but we're doing it in a measured way. And if we're real conservative, we're not taking any shots right now. And here's why. Let me show you why it's, it's, it's just not going to go green in here. There is massive overhead. When the bear market gets started, which is a head and shoulders, the likes of which, you know, um, um, a, a technical analysis teacher dreams of. Okay? It doesn't get more obvious than this head and shoulders. In fact, I'm going to pull it down, maybe like that. 
Yeah, right there. I mean, it's just obvious. You're never going to see, print this up and put it above your desk. You'll, you'll never see a more clear head and shoulders top on a major index. These head and shoulders tops don't usually bottom. Once they get started on a downtrend, okay, it's usually not over in a month and a half. Okay, there's, there's, a, there's a problem in the system, and it takes time. You know, a technical analyst would say that the, the, the horizontal move of the top, you would then estimate that the decline down will equal the width of the top. Now, that's just total ballpark technical analysis. Like, uh, like this, right? A little Kentucky window. That's all it is. But we got to start somewhere. So I start there. When you see a base, and this works true on the upside as well, when you see a base, the move up off of that base vertical is usually going to be ultimately equal to the width of the base. And the same thing is true on the downside. So we're early in the selling. Okay? The overhead of the 50-day and the 200-day moving average is heavy. They're in downtrends. The, the market generally doesn't bottom until these downtrending major moving averages start to go sideways and a base gets built. Okay, let's look back here at the pandemic, which is not even a good place to look, but the, the real time, you don't have to buy the pandemic down here. Okay, it ripped higher, built a consolidation inside of the 50 and the 200, which is the black and the green line, right? And when it broke above the 50 and 200, right in here, you had all the time in the world to put money to work for an unbelievable run. You don't have to be the first guy here. So for me, the risk monitor, this is different. Back here, it actually went green back here because the Fed was adding liquidity, and that had a major impact on our decision. So we put a lot of money to work right at the lows. But what I'm saying is even here, the consolidation, as it recaptures the 50, fights with the 200, and then gets above it, you have all the time in the world to make money. So a conservative investor waits for that to happen, then starts putting money to work, okay? More aggressive, which I'm more aggressive with most of my capital because I'm sitting here at my desk trading every day. All right, I'm putting capital to work. Now, as it turns out, I'm going to show you our live trading desk. We share these screens every day, uh, and, and there, it's a three-minute chart of the market. So we're trading the market. I just want to show you where we got long the market, okay? Right here is where everybody who was trading on our virtual hedge fund trading desk, right? So everybody sitting at this table with me at 2 o'clock, at two o'clock on Thursday was putting a position on the S&P and the NASDAQ or any other way to express their bullish opinion right here. And you'll notice that's pretty much near the low <clears throat> of the week. Market ripped into the close. We held those positions overnight. We then increased position size in the morning, actually somewhere in here, not off of that big run here, but the consolidation, we increased it here, and we carried it to the close. The same thing is true for the NASDAQ. 
And what we like to, I like to use personally, QLD and SSO. So I like to use twice the performance of the indexes to make my uh, investment choices. So the, the NASDAQ was an even stronger call. This was really, this was the biggest call right here. As you could see, the S&P went to new lows on Thursday, took out the lows of this green signal in the morning, right, and then recovered. The NASDAQ was leading the charge, never took out the lows on Thursday, made a double bottom right at the armor moving average and the key uh, gamma location of the put wall, reversed. We got long here, QLD, right, and, you know, enjoyed this unbelievable rip. So I like to say that I'm elephant hunting when I'm day trading. I'm looking for big moves, not scalping moves. And we totally uh, uh, captured the elephants. We captured the elephants uh, on Thursday and Friday, and we just rode them like a Maharaja right to the end of the day and into the weekend, okay? Um, and we rode them like that because we saw the risk monitor changing. So the best day trades happen when the swing trading setup converges. So there's another convergence, right? There's another, you know, um, coming together of more than one strategy, one signal. Confluence is king on the Armour Trading Desk. And there's an example of that. Those of you who are on the desk maybe were curious why I was willing to get aggressive there on Thursday. Um, the major reason I was willing to get aggressive on Thursday and hold it overnight, which we haven't been doing, risk monitor was still red. I don't, normally don't hold index positions overnight. I did it Thursday because I'm looking at the Armour algorithms. And on Thursday at the close, NASDAQ 100 already turned green. And my comment was, if it follows through Friday, we're going to get a bunch of the other indexes turning green on our algos, which will be the confluence we're looking for. And now we'll have day trading and swing trading algos lining up together. That's, it doesn't get better than that. Our job is to get on the right side of probabilities when rewards worth risk. That's an example of that. The rewards worth the risk, all the probabilities in our favor, whoosh, right into the middle. Huge run into the close. That's what we did in our portfolios. So now the question is um, how to execute, how to execute on the information, right? So if you're part of the live trading desk with us, if you're a portfolio manager that's joined our virtual hedge fund, you're already long the indexes <clears throat> to some degree. Or since you're your own portfolio manager, you might be long your favorite names. Let's go over that for a minute. I like to focus on the indexes first when I put capital to work. Then I go to group ETFs if I've earned the right to take that risk. In other words, I've earned it now. Made money last week on the indexes. Next week, risk monitor yellow. I could put more money to work. I focus on group ETFs. If I keep making money, I broaden out into individual stocks. The reason I do this is that they're, I'm trying to manage my risk. And in order of risk, indexes least risky, ETFs second, individual stocks third, for the simple reason that an individual stock you buy doesn't have to follow the market. And what drives me absolutely crazy, I'm talking head through the wall time, is when I get the market right, 
and I buy a stock that goes down as the market's going up. I cannot stand it. So first step for me when the markets are starting to turn is get the market. Second reason is obviously you can buy a stock that you think is great, and then they make some horrific announcement. Whatever it is, I mean, Walmart comes, you might think Walmart's great, makes a lot of sense, a recession, blah, blah, blah. Then Walmart says they got serious problems, stocks down 25%. I don't need individual stock risk at the start of a new risk monitor green signal. If I get paid next week, I'll start filling out my portfolios. So we have the four portfolios, Armor Index only. It's 50% invested, 50% cash. That's what it does when the risk monitor goes yellow. If it goes green, we go to 100%. If it goes red, we go to 100% cash. So yellow, 50%, big indexes only, that's it. We're gonna capture what we can. Armor Growth, which is our growth stock portfolio. Zero investments last week, don't foresee any next week. Armor ETF, nothing in there right now, but QLD and SSO. And one other asset I'm going to get to in a minute. So I might fill out that Armor ETF portfolio next week with group ETFs. I'm going to show you in a minute what my favorites are, okay? Um, and then our dividend portfolio, totally different structure. We, we had to gut the whole thing as the market was imploding. We only have our pipeline left, and I'm looking to rebuild it. So I'm going to go over some of those stocks with you in a minute too. All right, so let's, let's jump to that. Um, so... Just so you understand, that's how we're putting money to work. So what are we going to do next week? Let's break it down and look at some chart patterns together. Um, my expectation is for the market to at the very least close these gaps, right? So it's closed this gap already by the end of the day Friday, which is brilliant. This gap right here would probably take the S&P up to 4,000. At the very least, I think that's going to happen, which is a test of the 50-day moving average. And then... And then we start to see what we've got. Punches through the 50, great, I'll fill out the portfolio. Stalls at the 50, stalls at the gap closure. I'll be booking some profits on the money we made last week. So the market's not out of the woods. This is not a call to start putting a lot of money to work. This is a call to say, hey, window possibly open, put in some capital to work in a conservative way, see how it behaves next week. If we earn the right to take the risk, this is what we might do next week. All right, so um, let's call it uh, Armor Research Report. Here it is. All right, here's our research. We're going to go, let's say, individual stocks. Here are my favorite names that I might pay attention to next week. I'm going to break them down into relative strength and then basic big cap tech. Amazon really has me intrigued down here off of a delicious double bottom. Okay, that just, that just has me really intrigued. That's a perfect double bottom. And of course, it looks like the market itself. And will I be adding, will I be buying Amazon if it breaks above the 50? I'll already be being, I'll already be being, already be being paid on my triple Q positions. And I'll be basically increasing Q exposure by adding something like that. How about Google? Okay, same type of a chart pattern. Beautiful double bottom. How about Tesla? In fact, look at the, Look at Google. It's already above the 50. So Google's ahead of the game. That would be the first place to go. And this is, these are more conservative places to go because these are basically your big cap tech names. 
You know, Tesla, and we're going to get to Tesla in a minute. That would be an interesting story if it coincides with what's happening in crypto. I'm going to talk about that and then get to your questions. All right. Um, so those are some of the big names I like. I don't know about Apple. Let's take a look at where Apple's trade. Not really. Apple, I don't, I don't like Apple. Um, those are my three big names that I like. Um, for the dividend portfolio, let's look at the dividend portfolio real quick. Um, I think the very first thing to add is going to be IBM. That's a no-brainer. The relative strength on IBM is going berserk. And so let's, let's talk about relative strength real quick. We use O'Neill charts, and we look at something that I'm not buying is Lee Motors. We look at relative strength, okay? So we're looking as the market collapses, what stocks have a weekly relative strength making new highs? That's what that, that blue bubble is right there. The relative strength, 92 on IBM. Can, you, can anybody tell me the last time IBM had a relative strength in the 90s? I, I can't remember it. All right, this stock has to be owned immediately in the dividend portfolio. I almost did it on Friday at the close. I'll probably do it Monday as, as long as the markets aren't falling apart. Okay? There's a, what is that, a 5% dividend yield? 4.6, 4.6% dividend yield. Okay? That chart looks phenomenal. How about AT&T at a 4, 4.5% yield? Okay, AT&T, 94 relative strength. All the worst is behind AT&T. It's just upside from here, and you collect 5.3% on AT&T. No-brainer, no-brainer to me. Okay, um, those are just a, those are a couple of names that I have my eye on uh, from a dividend point of view. I'm going to be looking at increasing my pipeline exposure. So we sold AMLP up here. It got wrecked right back down into the base. Okay, now let's, let's bring this over to, um, those are a couple of dividend ideas. So all of the pipelines are looking compelling to me as yields have popped. Um, IBM, AT&T, there's a couple of easy examples. Oh, and, and let's just round out with, um, let's round out with uh, Altria for a second, okay? We, we sold Altria higher, all right? So we, we're out of Altria right here as it broke the, uh, the uptrend, all right? And then it cratered, okay? And it cratered on news that Juul is being disallowed by the FDA, blah, blah, blah. All right, let me break it down for you real quick. I know I'm getting long-winded here. And I want to get to your questions. Feel free to fill up the question comment section, and then I'll go through all of them at the end like I always do. Okay, and we'll just sit here and get through them until we're done. Um, Altria. What's the yield? Close to 9% now, something ridiculous. Okay. Two things to know about trading Altria and investing in Altria, and I've been doing this for a long time, collecting the yield in Altria. I buy Altria somewhere right after horrific news that their products cause cancer and they're going to be disallowed. Okay. This happens constantly. I think it's awful. The products do cause cancer, and this is not a political discussion, okay? Anybody, I, I, I think people should have their ability to do whatever they want within reason, within reason, all right? You want to smoke? Go ahead. I, I don't, right? So that's not the debate here. We're talking about dividend stock, all right? So every time it gets wrecked, because there's a political movement to curtail smoking, it sets up a bottom in the stock. The yield pops. All the rhetoric subsides, and the stock comes out of a base and rallies 
either to new highs or back to the high. And I'm collecting 9%, 8%, whatever the yield will be at the time. And then I book a profit on the principal. And then I do it all over again. Right? So I don't buy falling knives. It collapsed last week. If you read the stories about the jewel situation, number one, it'll be stuck in litigation forever. Number two, it's almost, depending on the analyst you read, it's actually a positive for Philip Morris and Altria business models. They've had the albatross of jewel around their neck for a long time. Set it aside, and the non-compete agreements they have with jewel are gone. They can come out their own price. So there's a whole bunch of different ways to look at this. It's on my list to watch from a dividend point of view. Now, let's jump into the ETF portfolio, okay? We sold energy stocks higher. When energy stocks were up here, I said to you on this channel, right on a Saturday, energy's going down. Do you remember? Were you, were you here? Did you listen to that? I said energy's going down. We have a bear market unfolding and the strongest group's energy, and they're going to get to it. They always do. Exhibit A. So now, we're right down to the 200-day moving average. What I said that day, weeks ago, was when XOP gets back to the 200-day moving average, I'm going to want to start buying it again. I'm going to look for entry points. It's at the top of my list. A lot of talk going around that this is the peak of inflation, the peak of energy price, commodity prices. I don't believe any of that, okay? I don't believe any of that. Make a plan, stick to the plan, always deliver. Now, that's a movie quote from a kid's movie my kids love, but it really works in this situation. Now, what I mean is when you make a plan, say, okay, we're selling energy, and we're going to look to buy it back to the 200 day. And then it goes to the 200-day. And you change your plan and start thinking, oh, inflation's over and commodities have peaked and I'm not going to do it. That's not making a plan and executing a plan and always delivering. That's making a plan and changing a plan based on emotions and the world around you. And that's not a way to run money. The gift has occurred. They've ripped energy prices back down to the 200-day, which is exactly our plan. So now we look to put positions on, and then we let price decide, right? So if it comes down, find support, builds a base, gives us a risk on entry point using the Armour Algos, and I'll share that information with you on the live desk while it's happening, we're going to put money to work, and then we'll use stop losses to protect ourselves. Either they'll rip higher, and we'll have picked off cheap a major energy move that's going to unfold for the next X amount of years where we get stopped out, prices go lower, and it's over, and that's okay. That's okay. You move on to your next idea. This isn't about ego. It's not about, oh, I have to be right on everything. It's I have to get on the right side of probabilities when reward's worth risk, and then I just execute. All right, so um, things I'm looking to put in the portfolio if they set up in the ETF portfolio, right? Um, OIH, XLE, so the service guys, the big cap international guys, and the U.S. Um, EMP companies. Now, um, I'm going to curtail. Those are my top names right now of what I'm looking at. I think that biotech is really interesting down here. 
and dare I say, uh, ARC type of investments are getting interesting down here. I'm not putting money in these things right now. Biotech would be my favorite, okay? As you can see, biotech is leading. So my theory here is that we're going to see the gap closed on the S&P up to at least 4,000. And you can see why I'm saying that. You're already seeing sectors of the market close the gaps. The gaps usually get filled. There were two gaps down on biotech here. It ran up and filled the gaps, collapsed again. Left two gaps behind. Now it's ripped higher. One, two, three, four, five days in a row, closing the gaps, closing above the 50-day moving average. Biotech is getting interesting. Why is biotech, why are innovative stocks getting interesting? That we've discussed this on the trading desk during, the, during the, um, the week last week. They've already had their bear market. You know, when the market's in a bear market, and this is something we got to talk about this because it's so ridiculous. Okay, the, the um, investing public, the CNBC talking heads, you know, fools. Well, they they come out oh all in a, all in a tizzy, right? Because the S and P is down twenty percent. Now we're in a bear market. Okay, for most people paying attention, innovators, biotechs, all these names were in a massive bear market in two thousand and twenty one. It started in February of 2021. By the time the S&P is in a bear market, all the other names are done. They're already down 75 to 95 percent. I mean, 75, 80 percent off of their highs. It's crazy. So they start outperforming when the S&P is in a bear market because they're already washed out. Not a surprise. Number one. Number two. These stocks are not valued based on earnings. What's bringing down the S&P, what's bringing down the Dow and these other names is that we're going into a recession, right? So you're thinking forward earnings are going to have to come down. All of these companies are struggling with supply chain issues and rising costs and collapsing margins. No such thing in a biotech company. They're just spending and burning through cash trying to discover a new drug that can be blockbuster and they can be acquired by Pfizer. That's that's what they're doing. So at this stage, that's a great place to invest. You don't have to worry about the economy. It's got nothing to do with the economy. Right? So anyway, let me wrap up here so I can get to your questions. This right now, I usually call this a Rosenthal rant, but this is not a rant. This is not a rant. I want you to look at this chart pattern right here. Okay, Bitcoin. I want you to look. Listen to me, guys. Listen, pay, pay attention right now. All of you who are watching live right now, I want your opinion on this in the comment section. Anybody watching replay, please comment right down here with an answer. I want to know what you're thinking on this topic that I'm about to bring up. And you don't have to write a long paragraph. Yes, you're right, Brett. No, you're not. That's all I'm looking for. And I'm going to take all that information, and I want to see what our small focus group thinks of this discussion. And I'll share the information with you next Saturday. Okay? Because we're having this conversation on the live trading desk during the trading session Friday. We took a poll 
We're going to do it right now. So please, can, just yes, no is all I'm looking for. No maybes, no I don't knows. Come on, step to the plate and give me a yes or a no on this. Take a look at these three charts. Bitcoin, I'm just using the ETF to look at the chart. Looks god awful. MicroStrategy. And Silvergate. Take a look at Bitcoin again. Bitcoin making lower lows, gapping down, making lower lows. Okay. MicroStrategy, the huge Bitcoin problem. Making a double bottom, not making lower lows. And this is my question for you. I'm going to lay it out for you, and then I'll dive in a little bit deeper. This is the question. Is Sam Blankman Freed of FTX the J.P. Morgan of today? The man, J.P. Morgan, not the business. In 1908, there was a run on the banks, total and complete panic. Is the run on the banks in 1908 equivalent to the run on crypto banks in 2022? You had a banking system without Fed support and all that kind of stuff in 1908. There was a panic. And you might say this is a crazy leap, Brett, but let me just lay it out for you. Panics throughout history, they all play out the same kind of way because they're based on human emotion. So there was a run on the banks in 1908. There was nobody to save the banks. There was nobody to save the stock market. New York City was going, was actually like 24 hours away from going completely broke, bankrupt. They were not able to float municipal bonds. Total financial meltdown. And then you could look at 2008 and every other financial class. They all look pretty much the same. Okay? A loss of confidence, a couple of blow-ups from nefarious banks doing things they shouldn't have been doing, getting too extended on margin, so they get wiped out and the dominoes start. And in 1908, J.P. Morgan, the richest banker of the time, had the most amount of capital at the time, stepped in and got all other guys, Rockefeller, Carnegie's, the big guys, to come together and support the banking system and stop what was really a financial collapse that could have, you know, um, ended the financial system as we know in the United States of America in 1908. It's an interesting story. You can go read about it. So J.P. Morgan, who had a huge amount of capital, literally stepped in and started funding banks, trust companies, right, that were going broke. He let, he let the, the banks, the regional, the trust companies, the banks go, to go broke. He let those go broke that he believed were, were doing things that were, I mean, nefarious is the best way to explain it, okay? And so he let them go broke. But he did analysis of other banks that were also going broke and said, these are good people, good management. There's nothing wrong with their business model. I'm going to fund them. 
Now let's go to 2022. We have a new banking system, if you believe the crypto story. I don't want to argue that right now, whether I believe it or not. I'm just talking about a panic of 08 and the panic of 2022. We have a new banking system trying to form in crypto. It's run into a wall for whatever reasons. I don't care about quantitative tight and all stuff. Whatever the reason is, it's created a panic. Then there's a couple of banks out there, and, and Celsius being the, the, the one that is now looking to, to go into bankruptcy, and it should, okay? Because doing something totally stupid, just like some of those banks in 1908, okay, um, lying to people and saying, here's 20% return on your capital. If you give us your Bitcoin, we can lend it out. That was destined to, to, to implode, okay? And so it is. Let that one go bankrupt. And then Sam is stepping in. I read this week. You read it too, right? He's stepping in and funding other exchanges, other banks, okay, I put that in quotes, that he thinks are legitimate to support the system. And my guess is he won't be the only billionaire who comes in and does that. And it sets the bottom in Bitcoin. Forget about all the other crypto junk. There'll be cryptocurrencies that go, that go the way of the dodo. This is not a debate about that. I'm talking about Bitcoin and Ether to a lesser extent. I don't care about the rest. Is Bitcoin done going down because there's a JP Morgan of today that's willing to come in and support the infrastructure? If we take utter collapse off the table because there's support coming in by one billionaire, and where there's one billionaire, there's usually more. They're like cockroaches, okay? So it's not going to be one guy in there doing it. If it's, if it's worthwhile, there'll be other guys come in and say, hey, I could pick off some great assets and support the market here. And if they do that in unison, and it takes the black hole abyss scenario off the table, then I submit to you Bitcoin's bottoming somewhere in the 20,000 area. Now, this is totally contrary to what I said last week, Bitcoin won below 10,000. And the, the reason for that is, the story came out this week, I was reading about it, and my question is, is SVF the JPM of today? And is it setting the bottom? Now, look, can Bitcoin go to 15,000, 25,000? I'm not debating that. Okay, I'm saying somewhere in the 20,000 level, is that the bottom? So my question is to you, what's the yes or no question? Is Bitcoin? No, this is a better question. I'm a Bitcoin bear. You know that. I'm a crypto bear. I've been a bear since 65,000. Okay? Should I go from bearish to neutral? I'm not even talking about being bullish right now. Just bearish to neutral. Is Bitcoin going to 10,000 or is it going to stop and consolidate at 20,000? That's the question. And when we look back at this time and say, hey, 20,000 was pretty much, you know, it could go to 18,000, could go back up to 25, back. You understand what I'm saying? But when we look back over time, when we see, hey, 20,000 was pretty much the floor. That's my question for you. Let's get to questions and answers, all right? 
So you guys comment. I'm curious what you think. Yes, 20,000 is the floor when we look back over time. No, you were right last week. It's going below 10,000. That's my question, really. Okay? And, and, and I'm going to wrap up with this one thought. Um, I, I, want, I want you guys to know full disclosure. I don't want to tell you this because I don't want to, to change your opinion. So please give me your honest opinion, not, not tarnished by what you think I'm doing. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. But, okay? I think that the 20,000 level is going to hold, which I didn't think last week because last week I still had the black hole abyss story as my number one scenario. And now I'm thinking, no, black hole abyss isn't the, isn't the number one scenario. So then there's going to be a base somewhere in here. And it might just go sideways for 6 to 12 months in the, who knows, 18 to 24,000 area. I don't know. Who knows? It's hard to determine. It could just, it could just go flatline for a while as things rebuild. But what I'm doing right now is that if I'm right and this is the floor, then the doomsday scenario for microstrategy is wrong. And there's a bunch of guys about to be caught short microstrategy. And in, in, if you look at the higher low that microstrategy is making, while Bitcoin goes to a new low, microstrategy is making a higher low. That gets me real interesting. So I have a playful position on MicroStrategy, my personal portfolio. And I have a playful position on Silvergate, which is the you know, company that gave the loan to MicroStrategy on Bitcoin. Okay? I have a playful strategy. If these stocks take out the recent lows, I'll be gone. So my stop loss is always tight. Okay? This low on MicroStrategy gives way. I'm not going to hold it and force my, my opinion on the market. Right? So just so, you know, just so you know, I have a playful position. This means it's not in an armor portfolio. It's not on an armor spreadsheet. It's my personal portfolio. I just put some cash to work there to see if my theory is accurate. If it is, I can build a bigger position and add it to other portfolios. All right. Thanks for spending that time with me. Let's get to your Q&A. Uh, oh, good for you. Made some money on MGM. Yeah, AT&T looks good. Um, Ares, how are you, brother? Hope you're feeling better. Um, absolutely. Um, STZ's got to be the top of, uh, of my list of stocks I want to own. Yep, top of the whiteboard. And let's go again. We're looking at relative strength leaders. So um, STZ has got to be my favorite way to play cannabis, too, because there's no other way to play cannabis. Cannabis is dead. Can cannabis right now is just totally dead. You're waiting on some, you know, waiting on Godot, and hopefully have politicians make some kind of decision. And in the meantime, the fundamentals have gotten pretty ugly for cannabis, right? The cost of weed is going down because everyone's making it, right, harvesting it. And the, the cost to, to plant, like every other area, going through the roof so their costs are going up and the end product price is going down so it's not like there's any fundamental reason to own cannabis right now what you're looking for is is some type of um, um political solution and and so in the meantime if we ever got a political solution constellation brand should be a big winner on that and we can own constellation brands right here look at the chart pattern sick 
Relative strength, 93, going to a new high ahead of the price, perfect cup and handle. This is a no-brainer. This is one of my favorite names. And then Molson is, you know, the same type of a story. But not, not so, but look at 94 relative strength. I mean, I much, Ares, I much rather own STZ. As you can see, Molson's all the way down here, but the real leader in the space is Constellation Brands, right? Just from a, just if you look at um, how the stock has performed. Huge base breaking out, but they both probably work. So I like your idea there. Um, time to get back into uranium. So let's start with CCJ. So first of all, Brian, and good morning to you. First of all, CCJ. Uh, there were stories out on Friday about non-deliverable goods from Russia, and you know, there's the fundamental story of uranium is is a is a is a, is a bullish one. If I'm willing to get back into the XOP, the XLE, the energy space, you'd figure I'm willing to get back into uranium. The only way I'll do it is through CCJ, the big institutional name, and maybe URNM, which is the Sprott ETF of the smaller names. I won't buy the individual small names. You can have massive upside there, but the risk is too big for me in the type of market that we're in. So I won't buy those. Um, and, and again, I, I'd rather buy, uh, if I did an ETF, just because of the makeup. URA is here, but I like the Sprott um, URNM better. It gives me exposure to SRUUF. Okay? But there's just nothing about that chart pattern that really gets me too excited right now, Brian. So it's on my radar, but not something I'm putting to work yet. Hey, Lena, that was pretty uh, pretty great. Nice to have you on the on the desk. All right, maybe I've just talked to you guys out. Any questions you've got, go ahead and load up the, the comment section, the question section. If not. You know, we'll call it a day, and I'll, I'll see you guys on the live desk tomorrow, um, Monday morning at 8:30. So I'll give you a second just to just to fill out um, if you've got any questions for me today. Uh, I did a lot of talking today, so maybe I just covered a bunch. Just going to look at some charts while I wait, see if you have any questions for me. Let me see. Microsoft's already closed the gap. It's just a no-brainer that the Qs and the S&P are going to close the gap. Right, so the gap is up here on the Qs. Okay, these yellow lines are the Fed meetings. So we're trading below, uh, between the Fed um, rate hike days. Okay, if you have any questions, guys, go ahead and put it in the comment section now and I'll, I'll get to it. Okay, I, mean, I love like, um, you know, I love my energy you know, drilling stocks. I'm going to be back in those things as soon as I can. Touches the 200-day, rips higher. So I'm just looking for a base to form there on, on HP that I can buy. Question on uh, GDX. Well, that's a great question, you know, on... Uh, what, am, what am I going to do with precious metals? Juan, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing with precious metals right now, okay? Um, bottom line, 
I'm not buying precious metals until they close above the downward trending 50 and 200 day moving average. They've wildly disappointed me. I don't get what's going on there. I'll be honest with you. I don't get it. The world we're living in, I would, if I told you the scenarios that are playing out in 2022, and I asked you, where would the price of gold be? You know, up big or down big? You would say up big. Everybody, 100% of us would have. And instead, the stocks are just, you know, basically acting like the, the S&P, you know? So if I can't get, I mean, what? If I can't get Sprott Physical Gold up here somewhere with inflation going berserk and war in Ukraine, and I can't get any hedge owning gold, I don't know what the point is. If it's just heavily correlated to the S&P, I'd rather just own the S&P. Like, literally, I don't get it. So I'm not writing it off. There may be at some point... I mean, I've traded it before. In the last three years, we've made money trading precious metals. So I'll be out there trading it again. But I'm not going to be guessing at bottoms right here, okay? I'm going to have to see some strength. And that strength on physical gold is a close above the 50 and the 200-day moving average. And I'm just not touching it until it does that. I'm going to pay up for it. It won't be that much. When gold closes above the downward trending 50 and 200-day moving average, then I'll put some money to work. But we're, we're, we're a, a hair away from the proverbial death cross, right? The 50 goes below the 200-day, and this thing's going to get pressed right down and break down. And typically, typically, one, the mining stocks lead the metal. So I look at GDX. It's already broken down. It took out the low of May. So that typically means that GLD is going to take out the low of May. So now you'll be breaking the uptrend. I just don't see it. I don't see any reason for it right now. Oh, yeah, BTU. The problem there is, is I just don't like the chart pattern of BTU. That's just not a pattern that appeals to me at all. I get your coal idea. I used to be an ETF KOL, but it's not there anymore. Um, what's ARLP look like? That looks a little. That's just an uptrend that it's in. I don't know, Ares. I don't. I don't know. If we're going to make money on coal, I'd rather make money on your natural gas goats. You know, honestly. I mean, how much money do I want to commit to energy? Then I got to figure out where to go with it. I'd rather own your PXD. And your and your Devon, because let's be honest, they're 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 going to go together. I mean, if coal's breaking out, natural gas is going to be running with it, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather own I'd rather own those names. I'd rather own Devon down at the 200-day moving average, which I know you do too. This is you know this is your idea. You know, PXD. There's your idea. You were buying it this week. So, I, I'd rather own those names before I'd own BTU. Lena. Um, totally at the top of my list, right? I still have Northrop Grumman at the top of my list. And the, the reasons are obvious. You know, look at, um, look at the uh, new high and relative strength on Northrop. It's, it's held up remarkably well as the market's been destroyed. So theoretically, um, you would see this thing break out to new highs. So I still have them on my list. 
Northrop, oops, LHX. Northrop looks better. Lockheed Martin. Northrop looks better. And then some of the drone stocks. AVAV is holding up incredibly well. I mean, there's an example of something holding up really well. You know, the small cap growth stocks, whatever, they've been destroyed. The stock's trading above 80, holding up in the uptrend. I, I, I love that chart. So um, that's at the top of my list. And Elbit is my favorite, probably my favorite drone company is Elbit. And that chart looks really healthy. All right. All right, guys. Listen, I appreciate all your time spent with me. Allowing me to go through my... Oh, there's another question. Brian. SWN. Yeah, I mean, look at the volume. It's just massive there. I wonder if that has something to do with the uh, Russell rebalance. I don't know. But uh, that's a massive um, volume day on Friday. And so it's come right back down, too. So if we pull up, um, you know, what's most compelling to me are these energy plays. Now, I don't like these chart patterns. They look like blow-offs and collapses. But if they can find support at key levels, support at the 200-day, uh, I'm going to be adding those back to the portfolio. All right, so we'll wrap up there. I appreciate your time uh, spent with me, as always. Thanks for um, taking some time out on Saturday to help me order my own thoughts, which is, you know, quite frankly, what I'm doing right here, and, and sharing them with you, and hopefully sharing information that will make you money and protect your capital. All right? So if you'd like to do this with us every day, then be the portfolio manager on our live hedge fund trading desk, and consider subscribing and joining us. Until then... I'll see you all Monday morning. Take care, everybody. See you later, guys.